Happy Advent to you and welcome to Marvin Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service. My name is Doug Baker and I'm the lead pastor of the church. Today we continue the Christmas sermon series, Christmas Lessons from the Family Tree, with Dr. Mark Donaldson bringing today's message. Enjoy the message and I hope you'll consider joining us for worship on Christmas Eve in our beautiful historic sanctuary at 5, 7, 9, or 11 o'clock. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father Jacob, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Let me say that again. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And will you pray with me? Lord, we turn to you this morning. We recognize your presence here in this place. And even as we sang, oxen lowing, little knowing, Christ the babe is Lord of all. God, increase our awareness, our understanding, and our love for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Say that with me. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Recently, I spent three nights at the Ruah Center in Houston, Texas. Ruah is a Hebrew word that means breath or spirit. And we're talking about the Spirit of God. The Ruah Center is a Catholic retreat center at Sisters of Charity of the Incarnate Word Convent. It is a place where nuns, 
live. It sits on 70 acres, less than five miles from downtown Houston. Who knows there was that much land so close to downtown Houston? But there are private rooms they will put you up in overnight, three square meals a day, and at mealtime, all you can hear is the clanking of silverware. Silence is the rule. It's a language I'm fluent in. And I so enjoyed my time there. It's the fourth silent retreat I've made in as many years, and this time it was the longest from Tuesday night through Thursday night through Friday. And each time I go, my love and my fondness for Mary, the mother of Jesus, increases. I'm so grateful for Mary. The best thing about the Ruah Center is all of the creative spaces in that place that draw you into prayer. There is an outdoor prayer labyrinth that you can walk. There are countless trails in the woods that you can prayer walk. A listening room full of recliners that you can look out that second floor window into that sacred space and maybe fall asleep. There is an art room that you can pray in color. There are icons where you can pray and be drawn in and stirred by religious art. There's a beautiful chapel to prayer walk in, a confessional to sit in silence in, and a cemetery where the sisters are buried. And one of my favorite things is to walk through that cemetery looking at the headstones, some that go back to the mid-1800s. This place has been around for that long, and I think about the lives of these women, and I read their names, and I reflect on their lives as if to say, I see you. You are not forgotten. I know who you are. Just as soon as you enter into that cemetery, there on the left is a life-sized statue of Mary the mother of Jesus, and she's looking across that cemetery to the resurrected Lord on that very first Easter Sunday. And I think about Mary's life and I wonder, how'd she do it? What must it have been like to raise the Messiah? I'm sure it was an impossible job. I can appreciate Mary's reliance on the Most High God to fulfill this calling he placed on her life, to carry out his mission, this mission that he called her to. And every time I've been to Ruah, I stop at that statue and I reflect on Mary's life, the uncertainty and pain she must have felt at her son's death. But then in that statue, the joy she must have known at her son's resurrection. And the beautiful thing about this statue She's looking across that yard, and so I walk to Jesus, and as I begin to walk those hundred yards, the first time I did, I had the thought, the first time I see him, I'm going to run. And this time, in that moment, I said, I don't care who's looking or what's going on, full-on sprint like a kid in a schoolyard, running to Jesus. And I bowed at that statue and I prayed prayers of gratitude for who he is and for what he's done for you and for me. I'm so grateful for the call that's on our life that's very much like the mother of Jesus, Mary, who is the one who brought him into this world. Unsure of all that she was getting herself into, Mary said yes to God the Most High, 
God. And this morning's scripture that we just read, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, give us insight as to why and how that played itself out. I can't imagine what Mary's life must have been like. As a young teen, 13, maybe 14, betrothed to be married to a noble man named Joseph. And this betrothal period would have lasted for a year, a period of time in which Joseph would have gone to his father's house to make the necessary preparations that Mary might join him in his father's house. And while Joseph is making things ready, Mary is found to be great with child. An immaculate conception conceivable only by the Most High God. And you or I would be like, "Mm mm-hmm. And when this angel Gabriel appeared in verse 26, it's with all manner of specificity. Go back and look at that all the details surrounding where they were and who they were. And he greets Mary so warmly, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Mary's greatly troubled at his words, and you don't say. Here this angelic being with words the English language don't justly describe is standing there before her speaking to Mary, words of favor and honor and blessing. And Mary is full of wonder, what is going on? Angel's appearance is not like when your kids approach you so sweetly as if to make a request of you, something that they want deeply. It's more like when the principal calls you into her office and you don't know why. But the reason why is because she wants to announce to you in person that you've been awarded the Governor's Scholarship nomination to West Point or whatever that's called. I was lucky to graduate with a 2.5 GPA. So how great and humbling is it to be so highly esteemed? There is a humility in Mary's wondering, what kind of greeting might this be? And the next thing we know in verse 30, the angel is speaking to Mary's fear. Do not be afraid, Mary. Fear not, for you have found favor with God. And then Gabriel unpacks the purpose behind this annunciation. This child will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high God and save his people from their sins. And consequently, you are to give him the name Jesus. Iesus in the Greek derived from the Hebrew Yeshua, which is in English Joshua and means the Lord saves. Jesus, would you say his name with me? Jesus, glory to God. This proclamation is better than any scholarship, far superior to winning the lottery. I'm not sure if Mary fully had her head wrapped around all this meant, but surely there was a sense that God was up to something impossible, if not improbable, something that can only be explained by God's initiative and God's follow through. He's the one who's gonna carry this out, which piques Mary's curiosity, to which she asked, how can this be since I am a virgin? Mary's fear gave way to curiosity. Sometimes when I'm standing at the crossroads of a difficult decision, I give myself permission to think and dream and feel about all of the what ifs. What if we do the hard thing? 
What if I make the difficult decision? What if I sacrifice my rights and my desires? And I consider all that is unpopular and all that is uncomfortable, and as I do, I experience God's shalom, that peace which surpasses all understanding. It's not based on circumstance. For Mary, it might have been, what if I give birth to Messiah? What if I raise the Son of God and even spank him a time or two? What if this child really is the one to save us from our sins? I can imagine if there is any semblance of curiosity in Mary's mind, the angel's next move really puts her at ease. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born to you, Mary, will be called the Son of God. And these words are reminiscent of creation, where the Spirit hovered over the waters at the beginning of it all. God's Holy Spirit is hovering over Mary, and there is a new creation within this young woman. And the final piece to this enunciation is, no word from God will ever fail. We're talking Rima, the spoken word of God will never fail. The proclamation of the gospel. If the Logos word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, the Rima spoken word is still alive and active and pierces hearts today. So if someone says to you, the Lord gave me a word and we need to date one another, you might be like, hmm, I don't know about that. We'd better be sure if and when we use phrases like, the Lord gave me a word. And we'd better be sure more so when it's on us to respond to that spoken word of God. Mary's response suggests that she is smart with people, but much more so smart with the only one who really matters, God. And she says to this angel, Gabriel, words we all ought to respond with, I am the Lord's servant. May your Rima be to me just as you have said. There's a humility about Mary. She is hungry for more of God and smart enough to say yes to him. I know you can't see this image, a crayon and pencil drawing titled Mary and Eve. And so if you Google those words, Mary and Eve, and look at the image results, you'll find, I guarantee, this drawing. Sister Grace Remington of the Cistercian Sisters of the Mississippi Abbey in Iowa, not in Mississippi, has created this drawing titled Mary and Eve, which depicts Mary, the mother of Jesus, consoling Eve, the mother of all living. And in this iconic print, Eve has her hand on Mary's stomach, while Mary has her hand on Eve's face. Eve is clutching the fruit of her sin, and Mary's hand is resting on the fruit of her womb. Eve is dejected. 
heartbroken, entangled by shame and defeat. And Mary consoles Eve with the love of a savior, Jesus. And the picture, the image is foreshadowing the final blow to sin and shame. Mary's foot on the serpent's head as if to squash and defeat that demon in final victory. Glory be to God in Jesus' name. Church, my hunch is that there are some in this room clinging and clutching so tightly to the sin that so easily entangles, wrapped around our legs, tripping us up, bringing us down. But we are more than our sin and more than our shame and pain and those things, whatever is in your past, do not, do not define you. And that's the spoken word of God. Amen. More than Mary, Jesus came to deal with your sin and your shame and your past doesn't define you. And more than console you, Jesus came not only to forgive us, but to set us free. Man, I wish we experienced that freedom. Why don't we? We have been reconciled to God and the tastes of his goodness and the glimpses of his coming kingdom, they are breaking into time and space and circumstance repeatedly. That's the message and hope of Advent. And if you feel unworthy, you're in good company because Mary felt unworthy and I promise you, People in this room feel unworthy. Let me raise my hand first to get into that line. You need to know that God loves you. He sees you right where you are. He knows your circumstance, your pain and shame, and that doesn't define you. He wants to define you. He does. He wants to set us free, which is a thing. It's a reality that's ours for the taking. And so, Right here, right now, God's Holy Spirit is hovering over you and me, over this room, overshadowing us. He stands before us with an invitation to let him in. And the gospel truth is that when the time was right, You've heard this before. Jesus stepped down out of heaven, came wrapped in human flesh. He lived and died and was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven and when he did, because he did, he went from being someone on the outside of us to the one who lives inside of those who claim his name, Jesus. We receive him by repentance, this free gift of life that's ours for the taking. Church, this season that we find ourselves in, Advent, is a season of new beginnings. It's a season of waiting that marks the comings of the Christ who came once. He comes repeatedly through word and spirit, and Jesus Christ is coming back in final victory, and we, we are ready. Let's be ready. Let's live and be counted for as those who are ready. So this morning in all humility, let's lay our fears down, our anxieties too. Let's pray bold and desperate prayers to the only one true God. Move by curiosity, 
hungry for more of him. And when you think about that desire, his heart for us and those things is so much more than ours. So answer that prayer that you are praying, Lord. And in complete surrender, may we all be exactly who God has called us to be, the corporate gathering and scattering of the body of Christ, those who give expression to and offer experience with the Most High God. His name is Jesus. We are the ones through who Christ comes repeatedly. The story of Mary is the story of the church and Mary's response, yours and mine. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me your rima word, just as you have spoken. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are curious around what if you really moved and had your way in us and through us. Lord, we know that forgiveness is one thing, but freedom is everything, and we want to be free because there's an expression and an experience that the world is desperate for. So here we are, God, we pray that you would have your way. Move on your church. Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 on our campus at 300 West Irwin Street, downtown Tyler, and at 10 o'clock on Christmas Day. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and its ministry and serving opportunities. If we can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you'll let me know. Again, have a blessed Christmas. May God bless you as we celebrate our Savior's birth.